Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Force Carry Podcast. Uh, we are very excited to bring you all the very first episode, and we are equally as excited that it just so happens to coincide with Open Week. I'm your host, Jace Cobb. Joining me is Columbia, South Carolina's finest and golf take aficionado, Steve Cook, and our faceless, nameless expert on all things gambling, Fats Geronimo from the Internet. And since it's our first podcast, uh, might as well introduce each other. I'm Jace Cobb. I grew up in West Texas, been there most all my life, been a golf fan for as long as I can remember, and very excited to talk about the sport that I love to play and watch, and hopefully, you know, this turns into something. Steve, you can go next. Yeah, I, uh, Steve Cook, Columbia, South Carolina, born in Augusta, Georgia, home of the greatest golf tournament in the world. I'm a non-handicap. I'll shoot an 83 on any course you want to play, and I love to uh, watch golf mostly for the people that I hate the most, which will be pretty apparent as we uh, go forward with this podcast. And I'm Fats. Like Jay said, I am from the internet. I am from everywhere, and I am from nowhere. If if you've seen the movie Hardball, like Keanu Reeves, Diane Lane, like goddess, G-Baby, G-Baby gets shot, spoiler alert, Keanu Reeves ends up having to coach a youth inner city baseball team because of a gambling debt. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, I'm here for similar reasons. It's court-ordered, or not court-ordered, but it's my non-court-ordered community service. I am here as a warning to not be like me, kids. Well, that's good. So we all just... Actually, this is about the second time we've interacted with each other. We, we've come across each other in, in places and thought that we'd make a uh, good team for a podcast. And we're also learning how to do all this stuff on the fly. So if the audio's off or, you know, there's technical difficulties like that, we will get those figured out and do our best to um, remediate those in the coming podcast. But for right now, uh, let's not waste any more time. We can get into the... Um, Thoughts on the Open. It's Open Week. It's my favorite major, personally. I've been an Open fan since I was probably 18 or 20. I'd get up at 4 a.m. and watch it every year, and I personally think it's the best major, and I think Fats agrees with me, and if he'd like to talk about that, he can too. Absolutely. For me, I am a glutton, so it is the best sports viewing experience of the year. It's 49 hours. You can wake up at the crack of dawn, watch all day long, four straight days, 49 hours. So just the pure viewing experience is why it is my favorite. Yeah, I think that uh, the uh, British Open, uh, the Open Championship, whatever you want to call it, I, I contend that since we won the Revolutionary War, we can call it whatever we'd like. Um, so the British Open, it is a tremendous experience to view. I love you know, the, the hardest decision is whether to keep drinking and stay up all night and watch it or wake up early and start drinking, um, you know, at five in the morning. I mean, you know, my wife sees me on the couch drinking at four in the morning. She knows she's uh, that it's either British Open week or, you know, that I can't pay our taxes, one or the other. But um, regardless, it's uh, a very, very good uh, viewing experience. And and, you know, I, I kind of push back a little bit that it's somehow the greatest major. I think that it's the greatest major for hipsters, the, the kind of people that are into like craft cutlery and custom, you know, leather and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I just have a little bit of the problem with Lynx golf in the sense that like you're going to have half the field go off in the morning and have a beautiful morning and then the other half the field go off in the afternoon and it's a hurricane and they're literally out of the tournament. Now that may not happen this week, but it's happened in the past before. And I think it leads to a little bit of a, I don't like luck being so much involved, but Hey, what do they say? Luck of the Irish, right? And it's in Ireland. So yeah, that's what they say. Do you, uh, Steve, do you like any certain kind of player for Lynx golf as opposed to kind of the, the pitch and putts that they play on tour? Well, let's just go ahead and get – I stated I was a non-handicap, and I'll shoot an 83 at any course you want to take me to um, at the beginning. But, you know, I, when it gets – you know, Lynx golf, if it's windy, it's one one thing. If it's not windy, it's another, right? And, I mean, 
So the wind protects a lot of these courses. And if it gets windy, which it probably will at some point, you got to like the really, really solid ball strikers, you know, guys like Adam Scott, guys like Dustin Johnson, guys that are going to not have to work the ball and depend on so much, you know, and, and I just think some of the bombers have a real hard problem on courses like that. And, and uh, so, yeah, your question, is it any particular kind of golfer? European golfers have a tremendously higher ability to win this tournament than they do, you know, tournaments in the United States, I think. Fats, you got a certain golfer you favor? Yeah, similar to what Steve said, the Europeans always seem to show up better this week compared to most weeks. It's it's interesting just because there's a lack of reliable course history as they bounce around the rota. So it's tough to get a, a good handle on exactly who's going to play well from year to year. But it's always enjoyable because I think it's a true test for your entire game. It's not necessarily a pitch and putt where you just drive it as far as you can, go find it, hit a short wedge as high as you can to a green, hold it at eight to 10 feet, make your putt and move on. Yeah. I, I, mean, I like the grinders in these kind of tournaments. What I, 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 I agree with Steve. I don't like that the weather plays so much of a role in it. Well, SOS, they're not different. If, you know, if everybody plays in bad weather, I'm good. Nobody likes to see a tournament decided by who gets the good break. I do like um, that Lynx Golf, the rough is penal, and the bunkers are penal. And on the tour too often, you just see guys just hit it as far as you can. It's a steroid era of golf. Hit it as far as they possibly can. If they're in the rough, it's no problem to get out of it. And if they can't get to the green, just hit it to the bunker because that's an automatic up and down on the PGA Tour. These courses, the bunker is actually a penalty shot. The rough is actually a penalty shot. And there's on course out of bounds, which is something you don't see very call, often. What do they call a bunker? What is it supposed to be? It's a hazard, right? That's right. I mean, it's supposed to be a like almost a drop shot, and then you know that that that, that that's that's nice to see. They actually hit in a bunker, and it's not an easier shot than missing the bunker by two feet. Yeah, um, this week I think it's a little bit. It's not quite as linksy as maybe a St. Andrews or others. There's The greens look to be a little bit more elevated than what we're used to. I think you can still play in the air a little bit, but it's still, I mean, yeah, the bunkers look like they're going to be bunkers, and I love that there's actually OB, you know, and on the tour. I, the, the shots some of these people hit that don't find out of bounds blows my mind every week. So this week they're actually going to be penalized if they hit if shots too crooked. I don't know if you saw this. They, uh, you know, there's this big pushback by some people uh, that – you know, we've had this conversation, Jace, about how if I played a professionally set up tournament every time I played golf, it's worth two to three strokes around, right? If I hit the ball in the rough, gallery's going to find it. If I fly a green by 20 yards, I'll just hit a grandstand and get a free drop. And I saw a drop area by the 18th green today. You hit that grandstand, it's literally knee high rough. Am I mistaken on that? I see, you know, no. that's, I think, you know, I, that's, 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 uh, I, I think that'll be a cool aspect of it. I mean, I don't know if any of that's on purpose or just to do the setup, but I think the RNA, the, the European guys over there get it a lot more. I mean, the, P, the PGA, you know, it's the dartboard tour, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, there's a reason why they get so pissed when the, when the USGA gets to set up the Open, US Open. But, and another thing with the RNA, they don't care what the winning score is. They're going to set the course up. The weather will have a much bigger impact on the final score than Mike Davis is going to. If the wind blows and the weather gets nasty and the winner is four over, so be it. If it's nice, if there's a little bit of rain, the course softens up a little bit, the winner happens to be 16 under, no one there is upset that people were actually able to play well and score well. They don't, they don't have to trick up the course in any way. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we all kind of agree on that. Let's, um, let's go to the pairings. I, I got the pairing list in front of me. There's some interesting names. Just kind of see what y'all think about some of the guys playing. Uh, we'll go off Eastern time. Um, at 414, we got Hendrick, Xander, and Graham. So GMAC bringing the Northern Ireland Looks to be the first uh, Irish player that I can see going off. So all the pressure on the Irish this week. It's, I mean, it'd be pretty amazing if somebody one of the one of the Irish guys won. It's going to make it tough, but that'll be a pairing to watch. Zach Johnson I would love to see Graham McDowell about twenty over par at you know 
and just literally play the last nine holes drinking Guinness out of his bag or something. You know, like, I mean, these Irish guys, they need to, uh, you know, they're going to, I think the alcohol needs to be a little bit more of a part of this tournament. I mean, Northern Ireland hadn't had one in 50 years. They need to, somebody needs to go play hammered is what I'm trying to say. Will probably happen. Uh, 447, we got the Zach Johnson, David Duvall, who I'm upset's not on the coverage this week, and Corey Connors, the Oakley Dream special um, threesome there. Hopefully, hopefully David re- uh, resurrects the wraparound. Last rounds. Yeah. Uh, 458, a good grouping here with uh, Molinari, Bryson, and Adam Scott. 509, we have Rory, Gary Woodland, and Paul Casey. Big week for Rory. I mean, couldn't imagine. Set up, set up a bench press on the first tee. Dude, that that's going to be a strike show all day long. I mean, those guys all just just center the club face all day long. And if if I had to say something negative about the Open Championship, I highlighted the 6:04 a.m. pairing of Makumi Horikawa, Callum Shinkwin, and Garris Porteous. Bless now, you. I personally would prefer Horikawa to be substituted with Morikawa and get Callum, Shinkwin, and Garrick Porteous out for Hovland and Wolf. But I just, I, I have no clue how any three of those guys are in this tournament. Well, they take a lot of the, the if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the Open takes a lot of random qualifiers, guys that won like an Asian amateur tournament or something like that. So um, regardless, I think we can all agree that none of those guys will hopefully make the telecast. I'm not going to sit here and listen to you disparage the good name of the Singapore Open. <laughs> uh, we got you, Jordan you win, uh, you win three cases of pad thai and uh, 500 yen when you win that <laughs> tournament. And, 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 and you get into the British Open. <laughs> we, uh, we have Jordan Spieth and Danny Willett. Nice little troll job by the RNA there. They're playing together. Uh, DJ. There's my bet. That, that that pairing could very possibly have an 85 <laughs> shot in that pairing. It's very possible. It's not going to be Leishman, so that would probably have to be Spieth or Willett. So we got DJ Day, Keegan playing together, Tiger, Matt Wallace, and Patrick Reed. Should be good for the big cat to play with his boy, Pat. Um, John Rom, Patrick Kentley, and Matt Kuchar. Very interesting pairing with Rom being the biggest hothead on tour. Cantley has no emotion, and Kuchar, everybody knows about Kuchar. Interesting to hear about the uh, what you think the dynamic of that group is, Steve. Well, I think Kuchar has a huge advantage this week. I'm sorry. His caddy has a huge advantage this week because no matter what he gets paid, it'll be a 1.18 euros per dollar. So 5000 bucks, you know, multiply that by 1.18, that dude's coming out way ahead. Um Regardless, I just hope somebody punches Kuchar in the face. I mean, either way, I, I, it doesn't matter to me. Who does it? A drunken Irishman, one of his playing partners, the referee. He could step on a rake. That's fine, too. But whatever. That's that. You know, I, I don't have a whole lot with that. Let's see his goofy smile after that. The 10.32 a.m. tea time might not interest a lot of people. I know all three of us will have a rooting interest in this group as Kevin Streelman tees off with Doc Redman and Robert Rock. Robert Rock. Ooh, what a dreamy guy. Yes, I think we all we all can uh, agree that we'll be rooting for Robert. Um, this I, week. I'm happily married, but um, Robert Rock, I mean, that guy, this will be a, a debate, but strokes gained hair, he's got to be one of the top guys. So it's, inter- it's interesting you mentioned that because I know we've discussed it before, and I did a little bit of research and I, I swear I did not know they were paired together, but a young up-and-comer strokes gained hair is Doc Redman. He rocks a power part. Go look him up. I, I would love it. Friday it afternoon, they're both 14 over, going to miss the cut. But on the 18th green, there's a passing of the torch where Robert Rock forces Doc Redman to remove his hat, and he just throws it throws it in the garbage and tells him you no longer need to cover your hair. I am gifting the ability to not wear a hat. I'm taking it from Ollie. He needs to cover his hair up, but you need to let yours breathe. 
Well, yeah, so this has been an interesting week on social media. There's been a lot of stuff happening. I guess we could probably start off with, um, how about Brooks? What do you think about Brooks this week, uh, Steve, and all his shenanigans? Well, I think that part of me, first of all, I love Brooks Kepka. Um, I think that he is just the coolest guy. But, you know, he's like the antithesis of every other golfer. The, the You know, the buttoned-up guys that – he's anti-Ricky Fowler, right? You know, uh, the fact that he said, if you missed it on social media, that he does not practice at regular tournaments. He only practices at majors. A – He's full of crap. That, that's not true, right? I mean, he's sort of lying. But, you know, there's a little bit of truth in there probably that he's not grinding as hard. But uh, if you're a professional athlete and you're entering a golf, it kind of makes – how do the people at the tournaments he plays in that aren't majors feel that he's just showing up and literally like, you know, I'm going to collect this check and finish 29th or whatever. But uh, it's one of the reasons why I think he's got no chance this week, absolutely no chance. Um, you don't just roll into a Lynx course and – uh, you know, not practice or not know what's going on and, and be able to play just because you're really good at hitting the ball far. Um, and, you know, uh, then the fact that he blew off Tiger, I mean, I, I don't even, I mean, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And if you haven't heard that, Fats, you said you're off social media this week. Did you hear this? I just a little, but I don't know the details. But did he not return a text or return I, a call? or text him or whatever and says, hey, we'd love to play this week. Little known fact, if you don't know this, Brooks's caddy is from, his home course is, is Port Rush, right? So Tiger was probably trying to grab some, some inside info. He wouldn't return Tiger's text. Okay, there's not a person in the world that Tiger texts and says, hey, you want to play golf with me and doesn't call him back, except for Brooks Kepka. And uh, to me, you know, that's even better than him showing up to the ESPYs with his dates nipples hanging out you know the not returning text is is probably one of my favorite moves i've ever seen the not practicing stuff well i mean how do you want to look at it even if it's not true you're talking about a guy that plays golf wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday every week that's hitting balls before the round that's playing 18 holes that's playing 72 plus a you know a practice round on wednesday Every week that he plays a tournament, how much do you really need to practice? I mean, these are the best golfers in the world. That's that's plenty of reps. You know, I'm, I'm not buying I, – I definitely think he plays it up a little bit. I think he likes to get in people's head. And I don't really have an issue with it. You know, I hope he doesn't take it too far to where that's just all he talks about because I really do like Brooks and I love his, his game. He's like a better, more dynamic Angel Cabrera who just rips it and doesn't care about anything and just plays a big old fade, swings as hard as he can and just never looks like he's rattled or cares and just shows up at majors. He's, he's obviously better, but the same, same kind of, same kind of guy. And I really liked rooting for him. Did you see Kiz's hat this week, Steve? I know you'd love that. You know, to show up and I don't even, frankly, again, I'm going to lean on the fact that we won the revolutionary war on this, that I don't know or care the geography of England, Britain, Ireland, Scotland, whatever. I, I know I have to use my passport when I enter all those areas, and that's fine. But um, the fact that he wore a hat that had 1776, is that correct? Yes. I mean, he might have. That's like wearing a Make America Great Again hat to, like, the Portland Open, you know, I mean, that's about as hard as you control. And um, I, I got to respect the man for that. And I don't know if he lost a bet. I mean, but the Irish, Irish, they don't like England either. So, you know, again, leaning on my, uh, again, just going to say, uh, I don't care about England because we beat them in multiple wars. Um, but Maybe the Irish like that because we're shoving one up the Queen's butt, you know? I mean, pardon my French. That's way too many European sort of adjectives or whatever. But anyway, sorry. Keep going on the 1776. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. A very, very strong move and a great, great drop on the Portland. I was wondering where you're going to go there, and that was that was a perfect, uh, perfect analogy. Did you catch um, a golfer that you're very fond of, Jordan Spieth out there, uh, shotgun and water? Oh my camp. God, guys. Oh my God. I, um, I 
one of the only things I've ever done in my life that I'm proud of is I texted some people, you and you guys included, that Spieth was going to shoot a 41 on the back nine and blow his lead at the Masters. Is that true? I mean, can you guys vouch for that? Yes, true. And uh, I just, I've said this forever. You know, Jace is a huge swing junkie and doesn't seem to think that, didn't seem to think Jordan had a problem. Maybe he does now. The guy was blessed with so much success earlier in his early in his career that he never would fix the the chicken wing that he swings with, and he's got a huge swing flaw. Will never fix it because he's had too much success, and his coach is, you know, uh, too proud to do it. And I, I, the fact that he would go out there and shotgun shotgunning a water is one thing. Who has a can of water? Why is there a can of water? Uh, uh, and then to shotgun it and lose. I mean, you might. I I I have no I I have no analogy for how big of a douche this makes him look like. I I, I was at a loss when I when I saw the tweet. I was like, oh, well, obviously this is somebody who did a Photoshop, you know thing no 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 it was it was jordan and you know very on brand for jordan speak i mean is is canned water a thing in ireland it's got to be right why else would you have canned water i i mean it doesn't seem like it's very good for the environment uh i mean i guess it, he could have reached in a cool, cooler and it's very possible that his caddy helen griller could have pulled the wrong can and given him water on accident and that's very Ooh. likely Wow, that's a good take. I um, I don't know if you if you stop motion that picture that video right when he starts chugging it. Greller is looking at Spieth like, I've got to get out of here. I, I Greller looks like the kind of guy that could kill a pint, you know, mm-hmm. like just boom, pint gone. And to watch his, because Greller's a a good player, right? I mean, he's a stick. He's like probably a negative one, negative two, right? And he, he in a lot of ways, he's got to be sort of thinking, ah, I could do some of these things that Jordan Speed is doing. So he's got some animosity, even though Jordan's made him a millionaire. He's got to want to punch Jordan Speed in the balls right there. I mean, and if he did it, he could just retire from caddying and just tell the story that he punched Jordan Speed on the balls for shotgunning a can of water at the British Open. And I think he could make a lucrative speaking career out of that. Well, I don't know about that, but probably so. And I, I bet he does uh, have his hands full, especially around major time with Jordan, because he can get a little he can get a little testy out there. I didn't mean to waste so much time on that. I apologize because Jordan Spieth has absolutely zero chance of winning this tournament, and we really don't need to waste any more time talking about him. Fair enough. Well, let's waste a little time talking about the course, Fats. I know it's a different course than we're used to. I think you've done a little research on it. So if there's anything you'd like to break down before we get to our players to watch, uh, we'd love to hear it. Just a little bit. Uh, Of course, they're playing at Royal Port Rush. It's a 36-hole club. They've got the Valley Links, and then they've got the course the boys will be playing on this week, named after my high school girlfriend, the Dunluce Links. It's a par 71 7,344 yards. Uh, One interesting thing, the architect, Harry Colt, is a well-known golf architect. So when you look at some of the other open rota courses, he also designed Royal Lytham and St. Anne's, where they played in 2012. He designed Mirfield, where they played in 2013, and Royal Liverpool, where they played in 2014. He also designed the Hamilton Golf Club, where they played the Canadian Open this year. And one thing that you notice among those courses, Rory won at Hamilton this year. Rory won at Liverpool in 2014. So he's had success on courses that Harry Colt has designed, as well as being the hometown favorite here. Uh, Just another reason that I think Rory is going to be comfortable on this course a few things looking at the the yardage and some of the whole breakdowns, it's it's difficult to determine just how long or short the course is going to play when we really don't have a good idea of how 
just how much the wind is going to blow right now. Right now it's looking pretty mild, but there are a couple of holes that will play much longer than the scorecard scorecard yardage if the wind kicks up. A couple of the videos that I know you've watched, Jace, we talked about where Rory is kind of walking through different holes on the course. There's 590-yard par 5, Rory goes driver, 2 iron, knock down 7 iron, and is still pin high to a back 10 location. That's that's one of the longest hitters in the world, three full shots just to reach a back 10 location. A couple of drivable par 4s if the wind is right. A huge par 3, number 16, 236 yards that plays into the prevailing wind that could cause carnage and then it's followed by a potentially drivable par four on 17 which i think can make for a really exciting close to the tournament when you've got to get through that really tough par three and then followed up with a really scorable par four hopefully we'll have some fireworks coming down the stretch yeah i don't know you know, I don't know anything about this course that hasn't been mentioned ad nauseum on, on TV, just kind of the very basic stuff, which is kind of exciting. We're, I know it looks really impressive on television. Um, I think it's awesome that they're going to Ireland. I know there's some history there I think Steve wants to touch on a little bit, but I'm I'm excited for a new course, even though I'm, I'm, I'm normally a fan of the traditional open championship courses, but I think it's a neat, looks to be an awesome venue, looks to play really cool, and it looks like it's going to work really well on TV, and... You know, I'm I'm excited to see kind of how it plays and kind of learn some of the holes and 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 see kind of how it's going to shake down. And Steve, I think you've got some thoughts on on just kind of where it's being played. Yeah. Well, so um, a lot of uh, you know press this week on the fact that it's returning to Northern Ireland for the first time in fifty some odd years, and um, people may think uh, you know that they didn't go back to Northern Ireland because they couldn't find enough courses. And this course is is you know world-renowned as one of the best, uh, they didn't go to Northern Ireland to play the British Open for 50 years because uh, they were blowing each other up with car bombs for like 40 years. Um, I dare I read a story this week of Darren Clark was at a bar, like before he was a professional golfer. He's like, whatever, working as a bartender. And uh, he got a call and was like, oh, you guys better clear out of the bar. We're going to blow it up. And they like took it seriously because things were blowing up left the bar and it literally blew up was bombed an hour later um something like four thousand people died um it's a weird place guys um so that's one of the reasons why you'll see it that it sold out this week they expect over two hundred thousand patrons to come through the doors on the four days of the tournament which is pretty unbelievable so um, I'm, I'm excited that it gets to come to this, this place because I think this is really an area where I think that the people are golf hungry and, um, you know, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's just a, a way for these people to, to kind of get, I'm sure they've wanted this for a long, long time and, uh, finally kind of got the opportunity to host it. They finally, the, uh, Royal and ancient club decided that the threat of a car bomb had finally subsided so they could kind of move it. Yeah, that's a good history lesson. I, I was kind of shocked to hear some of the stuff that's going on. I had no clue. I mean, I knew it was bad. You see some other stuff, you know, I, like, you know, Conor McGregor has talked about how rough it is over there. And some people, and you're just like, ah, is, is he just playing it up because he's a fighter or whatever, whatever. But I, I had no idea that it was kind of, you know, the history was like it was up there. And that's, it makes just a scene. Like you said, it's going to be a heck of a crowd. And I cannot imagine what the crowd would be like if any combination of Rory or GMAC has a chance on Sunday. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be bananas. So looking forward to it. Well, I, I think that's about all we know on the course. Um, we can get to the breakdown on some of the guys that we like, some guys that we don't like. We're going to start this segment off. We're going to call it Power Fades, where Fats brings us some of the golfers that he's not too high on that some of you might be high on and kind of get his thoughts on people he doesn't think can win people he thinks have a chance and then we'll ultimately get to our picks at the end so fast why don't you get started so start off at the top with dj i just don't like his current form like ball striking wise as steve said earlier amazing ball striking Uh, approach off the tee around the green everything is fine but he's 
been putting like burnt asshole. He's losing strokes left and right. And then something that I don't know if many people are paying a lot of attention to, I'm really concerned about how AJ is going to handle the metric system this week. I think that's uh, uh, could cause some huge trouble, huge issues. Um, it's very I, possible. It's very possible they pull three iron from 100 yards. Yeah, I, I don't know. And that's just something where if you're playing odds, you want something you feel a little more certain about, and it's too much uncertainty with DJ. Uh, the next on the list, I guess, would say I would say Justin Rose, but I'm waffling on him because I came into the week hating him, which is not a good sign because he's that he's one guy that I am always wrong about. So I keep talking myself in circles. I like him. I don't like him. At, at the U.S. Open, he was just got awful teeter green, but got up and down from everywhere, which worried me coming into this week because I think if you're if you're not ball striking, I don't think you have a chance this week. Uh, I think I'm leaning heavily on people with strong iron play, strong approach games, and I think over 72 holes, if you're having to get up and down, it's going to catch up to you. But smallish greens, tricky greens. If everyone's having to scramble, no one has been as good around the greens as Rose this year. So the more I look into him, the more confused I get. I'm I'm probably going to be fading him ultimately, so you should probably load up because I'm going to be wrong, whatever I decide. I, I don't know if Steve has any real thoughts on Tiger, if he likes him this week or not. I, I'm off on Tiger. I'm off on Spieth. We know... Steve doesn't like speeds. Uh, I'm not sure how you feel about him, Jace. Uh, either of you can talk if you want about Tiger or Speeth. I'm I'm off on both of them. Uh, it won't surprise me if either of them play well. It won't surprise me if either of them are making some noise on the weekend. I just don't know that they can put four rounds together on this course. Yeah, I I, uh, I think Tiger's got no chance. I uh, I love Tiger. I mean, you know, as this podcast goes on, I think people will get annoyed by the fact that how I'm the biggest Tiger homer there possibly is. But I'm just being realistic here. Uh, I do not think that Tiger Woods thinks he can win this golf tournament. Uh, I, his the, the the press conference that I heard Tuesday was that I'm trying to find my game on the range in the next two days. Okay, I, that 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 means to me that he's not hitting the ball pure. He has no idea what he's doing. I mean, even even uh, even before Beth Page, the guy said he had a good plan. I, maybe Tiger's playing possum, but I don't believe it. I, I, I unfortunately, I think Tiger misses the cut this week, and I think he's got a decent shot at being one of those guys that 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 shoots an eighty for the first time in a while. Jordan Spieth, I think he makes the cut. I think he's going to have to grind for it, um, and and I think that he just. The dude just has too many big numbers in his bag at this point, and uh, I don't think there's any way in the world he's going to be able to put together a, a score that that's going to compete with these guys that are they're going to be able to to score. Yeah, uh, you know, outside of Chad Campbell, you, you know, Tiger and Spieth are probably my two favorite players of the last I don't know twenty years. I have no faith in Tiger doing anything this week. First off, it's cold. He's already going to be up there six to seven hours early every round popping wrist back into place, loosening his back up, no telling what he's going to be doing to try to get ready for the round. I, I hate Tiger this week, and I hope he makes the cut. I hope he can stick around, but like Steve says, I know he's going to say that he thinks he can win and all this, that, and the other. I think he's just happy to be there. I think he's trying to buy time to Augusta next year because he can win that for, I don't know, 15 more years. And I think I, I have no faith in Tiger this week. Spieth, um... Yeah, I don't like Spieth either. He's, you know, outside of Brooks, he's been the best major player for the last, I mean, I don't know, five or six, seven years. He shows up for almost every major, no matter what his game is. I didn't think he was going to break 80 at Bethpage, and he was there the whole way. I didn't think he was going to do anything last year, and he was in the final group at the Open Championship. So I, he's a gamer, but the game is just, you know, like Steve said, he he cannot get away from the big num number. Every tournament he has a double or a triple or two doubles and two triples. And with out of bounds looming on several holes, I just don't I don't see any way where he can avoid the big mistake. I think he's going to make a ton of birdies because he always does, but I just don't I don't see how he can afford the big number and can win it. Is there a giant 
driving range uh, abutting any of these holes that he could possibly just bail out onto, like a hole where he can just blast it 200 yards right and still make a par. Maybe with a Titleist truck nearby. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't believe so. A beach, but no, I don't. I don't think there's a range saving him this this time. I guess the only other big name that I am out on, and I, I am not a Ricky hater. Uh, there seems to be this prevailing thought that he is going to, if he wins a major, it's going to be an Open Championship. And I guess I can see that he he likes playing in the wind. He's a pretty good wind player. He's got the wind at the Scottish Open a few years back. I just do not like his recent form. He was playing better earlier in the year and just has has been too shaky to me the last couple of months. And I just I think there are too many good players playing well to go to someone who has not won a major before and also does not have the best form coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are, those are all good fades. I agree with, there's nobody that you mentioned that I, I I have any kind of argument for on that list. There's some other guys. I want to get your thoughts on them. Steve, do you have any thoughts on those, any of those fades? Uh, they all sound good. You want my fades right now? Yeah. I got a hardcore fade on Justin Rose. Okay, Justin Rose is basically Luke Donald, except he won the 2013 U.S. Open. Okay, he's had a longer career. It's fine. But why people talk about him like he's elite, I have no idea. He won the 2013 U.S. Open. Okay? And he's sponsored by Bonobos. Okay, all right, so fade him. Brooks has no chance this week. Uh, you know, he basically admitted it in the press conference. I don't practice until majors. You, you can't pull it together for this tournament. I mean, I, I don't even think – I think he misses the cut. Fade Tiger. I, I hate it, but fade him. Um, and the other, only other big guy that I would fade is um, – I, I really think Rory might struggle this week. Call me crazy, but I don't know, man. He's gonna be a lot, have a lot of weird wedges into a lot of weird elevated holes, and Rory doesn't know whether his wedge goes 120 or 180. Um, much like me sometimes, but I usually just hit it kind of thin. And uh, yeah, I um, anyway. Uh, I got a couple other guys, Fats. Some of the bigger, some other names that kind of popped out that I wanted to see what your opinion was. Um, I'm just gonna name them and then okay. if. If you've got a few that you want to talk about, just go ahead. I have uh, Bryson, Molinari, JT, Woodland, Casey, Day, uh, uh, Webb, uh, Fleetwood. Some of those guys that are in kind of maybe that next tier, but people still love a lot. Kind of what's your thoughts on them? Any stick out? So in the research, it's I didn't really come across much that turned me off of a lot of those guys. I just didn't come across a lot that really put me on them except for Webb. I really like Webb this week. He is strong everywhere. He's gaining strokes everywhere except off the tee. But depending on the weather, you could take driver out of your hands a lot. So he he isn't hurt as badly by not being strong off the tee because he's so strong throughout the bag everywhere else. I kind of talked earlier about what I'm looking at this week. It's going to be strong iron play, a very um, – very good approach game, and then I'm relying heavily on scrambling strokes gain around the green. And then kind of going hand-in-hand hand with that, similar to what Steve talked about with uh, speed and some of the blow-up holes, is bogey avoidance. So it's not necessarily who's going to make the most birdies, it's who's going to limit their mistakes. And Webb just does not make mistakes. He's second in scrambling, seventh in bogey avoidance. I don't think he'll win, but I think he's very safe in DFS, in pools, um, almost a guaranteed cut maker, top 20. I, I really like Webb. Day it is tricky because his ball striking is trending. Since, since he got Madman Stevie on the bag, like he's cracking the whip and getting him into shape ball striking, but his short game is starting to suffer a little bit. And I didn't like a, a press conference a couple of weeks ago at one of the tournaments. 
where they basically said that everything that they're working on is with an eye towards 2020. So if he's not even sure all the work he's putting in is going to pay off this year and really isn't expecting results until next year, then I'm not really going to back him. I think it does bode well for him in the future, which I'm not sure if either of you are happy about, but I'm off of him this week. Yeah, day day one of my I'm fading him all day. One of my least favorite players on tour for a myriad of reasons, and I know that shouldn't matter in gambling, but even still, high ball hitter, uh, never know what he's going to be feeling like. I, I don't like him here. Not not really known as somebody that I consider to be a big grinder either. I I, I don't I don't like him at all. I like Simpson. I like Webb in pretty much every tournament. Um, not only is he consistent, I just I like everything about his game, and I've come around on him in the past few years. Steve, what do you think about those guys? Yeah, I mean, Webb, Webb you know, played good in the rider, right? I mean, you know, he's a, he's a guy who's like, he, he can, uh, I, it just seems to be able to, he's kind of got a major game, you know, like he just kind of doesn't get, get lost. I think that um, uh, Day is going to have some serious trouble walking up these hills. I mean, they have vertigo written all over them. And um, frankly, I hope he survives the week. It's nice of you. Yeah. Any other of those guys? What about Fleetwood, uh, uh, Pats? Fleetwood and Wallace, I I want to like. Uh, I just I just haven't seen enough to draw me to them. I think I was telling you earlier, like if, if my life depended on someone shooting sixty one, then give me Fleetwood. But over 72 holes, over four days, there's going to be a nine-hole stretch where he shoots himself out of the tournament. Yeah, but, but he's an elite ball striker, and uh, I think that Fleetwood was hot with gamblers for, I don't know, a year and a half. Everybody yep. was grabbing it 25 to 1, 20 to 1, and then he just disappointed everybody. So now that he's dropped off the radar – and nobody's betting on him now is when he finally comes through. He's got he's the same player he was. Um, not a great putter, but you know, slow greens kind of, you know, I don't know. Some people say slow greens make better putters better, but I think it brings the field tighter when the greens aren't crazy. And he's an elite ball striker. And if the it, it, so much depends on the weather. And if the wind really blows, especially if they start getting crosswinds, which is of course tends to seems like some of the prevailing winds are crosswinds on these. There's like five holes in a row they're going out and if the wind's blowing hard one way i mean jace you know as an elite golfer yourself if you're if your ball if you're not if you're not hitting it square it gets pretty squirrely out there if you're starting to spin the ball away you know i mean and i think fleetwood won't have that problem yeah i, I don't play a lot of links golf but i play as much golf in the wind as anybody uh so if you're not hitting the ball solid you got no chance in the wind if you're not knowing which direction your ball's going you got no chance in the wind so uh Fleetwood, he flushes everything. Stinson, some of those guys that just flush every iron shot they hit are people that I like, especially when it gets windy. And and those two guys hit it. I mean, they don't miss hit shots ever. And Fleetwood also seems to have the ability, when I've watched him, you know, to trap the ball and kind of – he hits kind of a low launch a lot of times. He can keep the ball low, control his distances. I mean, I, I've seen him do that even on purpose in non-windy conditions. And, uh, you know, just uh, – I mean, you know, if, I, if I'm taking anybody's ball flight on tour, I mean, I might be taking his. Yeah. I agree. Okay, well, those are some of the guys that we don't like. Um, on the other hand, are there any guys? I, I know it's it's got to be hard for a gambler to pick this tournament since the, there's no course history and whatnot, but are there any – any? do you have a group of guys, five to ten, seven guys that you think have a chance this week? Uh, I do, and similar to what you were saying, the, the, without reliable course history, I'm using – less stats than I normally would. I'm focusing heavily on recent form, like I said, but also on previous open success. I guess kind of taking a more narrative-based approach to get, just to get a feel for the type of guys who have had success in the open recently and just try to build a pool of candidates from there. So in doing some of my research, I'm going to use, I'm going to be using the last six years pretty much just because some of the articles and, um, audio that I came across used the last five and six years as reference points and I'm lazy and if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. But if you want to look at the last six winners, you want to look at the lead in form of those six winners. 
two of the last six had won their last start. So that gives you Rom and Wiesberger. Forget about Fratelli. Um, four of the last six had a win in one of their last two starts, which brings Rory and Woodland into play, and then I'm throwing chesticles out. Five of the last six had a win in one of their last five starts, which then brings Brooks, Tiger, and Cantley into play. The only outlier of that is ZJ, and ZJ was stacking top tens left and right. He had three, and I believe his previous four starts, and something like nine or ten on the year. So you're wanting to look at someone who's had wins in their last five starts or is just consistently stacking top tens. And if you want to go one step further beyond that, the last six winners, all six had at least one top 10 at the open in the previous five years. So you want to throw all that in the pot, mix it up. That's your recipe. I come up with eight guys. You got Brooks, Rory, Tiger, Kucher, Scott, Stinson, Spieth, and Rafa Cabrera Bello. And then I know we've already said we don't like Tiger, we don't like Spieth. I love Cabrera Bello this week. I don't I don't see him winning this tournament. I believe he'll play well, but I believe your winner is coming from one of those other five guys. Brooks Rory, Matt Kucher, Adam Scott, Henrik Stinson. And I can give you a little bit more on any of them if uh, you have questions or reasons for specifically why I like them. Well, I got a, I got two things to add. Since you kept with the the last five years, I did a little a pull on some golfers, and I saw that over the last five years, the lowest cumulative score at the Open Championship, the leader is Rory at minus 32. At second, you've got Spieth at minus 30. Third, you've got Henrik at minus 28. So that's three of the five right there, correct? Yes. Um, Brooks we got on there, and who else of the five am I missing from that group? Adam Scott. I got another yes. tidbit here. Here's a number for you. 36. The average age of all the Open winners is 36. And that is that stat blew my mind. The Masters is 31, the PGA is 28, and the U.S. Open is 27. So you're talking a 36-year-old on average wins the Open, and that's with Spieth winning when he was 22 or 3 not too long ago. You're talking about Rory winning when he was probably 25 or 4 not too long ago. So old older guys can compete in this tournament, and that brings you know Adam Scott. I don't know how old is he is, 38, 39 probably. 39. So those two numbers kind of, kind of lend well to you. I also have more of like an oddball stat um, that's not so much talked about is is the um, Steve was talking about earlier strokes gained here we're in the strokes gained generation and there's a strokes gained Seve um, number that I want everybody to pay attention to this week that I got seven Spanish golfers in the field and normally the strokes gained Seve kind of channeling is is kind of just reserved for the Spanish golfers and it's usually about a 15 percent bump you know I'd probably give them probably I don't know, half a stroke to the field per round if you're Spanish on strokes gain Seve. And they, and it, I think it might tick up just a little bit Ryder Cup years and Open Championship years, but specifically at this event and the Ryder Cup, I think all Euros can channel just a touch of that creativity and just a touch of that imagination that Seve had. And I give all the Euros just an automatic, probably 10% strokes gain Seve bump this week all in. So that That'll help some of the guys on your list as well. So I just want to throw that out there. Be mindful of that as you're watching the broadcast, the um, Strokes Gain Seve. So outside of that top five, there's one guy who I love this week who doesn't necessarily fit that narrative just because he doesn't have the links experience or links success. But Cantley is quietly putting together one of the 20 greatest strokes gained seasons of all time. He's he's in the top 25 of every single strokes gained category. Um, he's first in scrambling. He's first in bogey avoidance. The only reason not to be on him is because of limited open championship experience. But I believe he's a supremely talented golfer and of a young guy, one of the younger guys who has not won a major before. Give me Cantley before Rom. Give me Cantley before Xander. Give me Cantley before Hideki. Uh, I really like him this week. I'm not sure if I'm going to bet him yet. I'm not going to bet him outright. The numbers, the value's just not there. But DFS and pools, I'm probably going to be 
heavily overweight uh, compared to the rest of the field on him. Yeah, I, it's funny you mentioned that. I wrote down in my notes today, too. I mean, Cantley, you got fourth in strokes gained tee to green, um, tenth in strokes gained off the tee, first in bounce back, uh, 13 in strokes gained around the green, and 25th in strokes gained putting. That is an elite, elite strokes gained season that Cantley's putting together this year. I like him, too. I don't know. He is a grinder, too. I mean, it's hard not to like Cantley this week, so... I mean, I can't find I can't find anything about him that I do not like, except for his slow play. Steve, you got any thoughts on those five? They sound any good to you? I mean, I love Cantlay. Um, I think he's uh, an elite guy that's going to win majors. I think he's one of those guys that once you pop the top, uh, he'll go on a run. Um, I agree. I just don't like. We didn't. You mentioned Stinson, right? I mean, you didn't talk a lot. Stinson just. Doesn't seem sharp recently. I hate Kuchar. Uh, I've already mentioned Rory's wedge game. Um, Brooks is going to miss the cut. Um, who am I missing there to shoot down y'all's opinions? Uh, who else? I, I know the one we're missing, but I believe you like him as well, and that's Adam Scott. Love Adam Scott. Strokes gained hair. It's not his best feature. I mean, it's hard to choose Adam Scott's best feature. Strokes gained hair. He's up there, though. I mean, stroke gain like, jaw. Huh, stroke. I mean, the only it, the fact that he has to putt with a long putter. It, it's almost like God saying, "Listen, pal, I can't give you everything." You know, it, it's the only flaw he has. But uh, you know, I, I've I, uh, I've heard just so many guys, like tour guys, not just pundits or journalists, who are like Adam Scott stripes the ball. Every time he plays, he's also one of the best players um, about taking time off and preparing without actually playing in tournaments. Something he's always done his whole career. I mean, the dude, you know, don't give me Justin Rose. Give me Adam Scott, you know. Um, so it's interesting, it's interesting you talked about the time off because he, he has played a slower schedule. But if you look at his last five events, he's playing serious, strong field events. His last five starts, seventh at the U.S. Open, second at the Memorial, and everyone plays a Jags tournament, eighth at the PGA, 18th at the Masters, and 12th at the Clown Show TPC. Then if you want to go to those Harry Colt courses I talked about earlier – 2012, he finished second. 2013, he finished third. 2014, he finished fifth. He's stacking up results on courses similar to this course and then against fields with a relative field strength equal to this field. There's nothing not to like about Adam Scott this week. Yeah, um, just kind of a non-stat reason that I like Adam Scott. You know, we talked about playing in the wind a lot, and anybody that plays in the wind knows – that it is a really advantageous to be able to hit the ball both ways. Um, I know everybody on tour can hit a slice and everybody on tour can hit a hook. But I'm talking about the kind of tour player that, depending on which way the hole is shaped, will hit a drive based on which way the hole is shaped. Or depending on where the flag is on the green, will hit an approach shot based on that. They don't just hit a stock cut on every tee shot like Tiger's been doing with the driver for the last several years. They don't just hit a stock, whatever, whatever, whatever. Adam Scott stands up and he's hitting draws. He's hitting fades. So when the wind's blowing hard off the right, you know, he can adjust to that. He can play a different shot off that. If it's blowing hard out of the left and he doesn't want to aim out of bounds and and play a fade or a cut like Brooks or somebody does, you know, it, it really helps when you're comfortable working the ball both ways in the wind. And Adam, Adam Scott's one of the few guys on tour that, that really just every shot is different. He can play either way, fade or draw. So just from that, a non-stat-based reason to like Adam Scott, I love him this week too. So. Going over a few more names, um, guys that I don't really see winning this tournament, but I think making when you some money in daily or in a pool, uh, kind of mid-tier guys that are all going to show up, I think. Leishman, I, he's similar to Webb. Everything I said about Webb, you can say about Leishman. Um, he's a 
tad worse scrambling and bogey avoidance, but still is great at both. But he has better open history than Webb. He's got three top sixes in the last four or five years. Hideki, I know, like, you don't want to hear about Hideki. He's got a decent open record. Not great, but not terrible. His recent form is incredible. Uh, I believe he has the longest make cut streak on tour. He's surprisingly good around the green, scrambling and bogey avoidance. He, he misses putts, but when you're 15 feet away on every single hole, it's going to make your putting look worse than it may actually be just because it, it doesn't matter that you're missing putts if you're giving yourself that many opportunities. Uh, a couple of young Euros, Fitzpatrick and Pepperell, I don't see either of them winning this tournament but I like both of them. Um, then I like Byrne more before he won last week. Um, listen to this. So nine weeks ago, Byrne Wiesberger was the 378th ranked golfer in the world. Today he's the 40th. That's a hot streak to end all hot streaks. I, I would have liked him more before I saw him in that pillow fight playoff Sunday. Um, check and see how popular you think he's going to be ownership wise. Um, I was, I'm waffling back and forth, but I may end up fading him more than I expected when I began the research last week. Then I've got a couple just deep, deep names, uh, unless you've got any thoughts on some of the others you want to cover first. Mm-mm. So, Jazz Jane Wadanand. I have no idea if I pronounced that right. It doesn't matter. No one else listening knows if I did or not either. Parents know if you pronounce that right. No, and, and hopefully they're listening. Um, he hits so many fairways, so many greens in regulation that it masks his poor putting. But he scrambles well, bogey avoidance, and since the PGA, I don't know if he's playing. He may be playing guys that Jace beat in high school, but it's. T25, T5, T3, win, T3, T26. I I will ride that form just as a guy who is going to be cheap everywhere you look that can make a putt, make a cut. He showed up well at the PGA, kind of faded on Sunday, but still played well. I like Mike Lorenzo Vera. He's not not one of your Spaniards. He's actually French, but he's – got a more spanish name than half of the spaniards in the field but if he still gets those strokes gained sevy that jace was talking about then just even better he he's shaky off the tee he's decent approach but he scrambles and puts his balls off he's made 10 straight cuts a couple of seconds a couple more top tens a guy i know jace likes um joaquin neiman and i'm just going to read what I texted Jace on June 15th when we were talking about him. He was talking about being worried about the year Neiman was having because he came out, started so strong last year, kind of fell off the face of the earth. And I told him, this is verbatim, on Neiman, he'll be fine. He's been good to the green, very good with his irons, but has putted terribly all year, but he's slowly coming around the last six weeks or so. He won't win, but I bet he pops a couple of times over the next six weeks or so. Since then, he's gone, where is it, T5, T5, T23, T10. Don't look at his season-long numbers. His ball striking has been elite all year, and then he's gained strokes putting three of the last four weeks. So I believe he can show up. A little nervous that he's making his first major start. I have no idea how he plays in the wind. I assume it's windy in Chile, but I have no idea. Uh, Van Royen, I like decently. And then Andy Sullivan. He's, Steve, if you're looking for a guy who looks like he could be half drunk playing the back nine, I like Andy Sullivan. He looks like he's an angry drunk, but I like that. I like that fire. He's he's stocky. He's got a strong base. The wind isn't going to bother him. Then he's also made nine of his last ten cuts, a second, a couple more top tens. He can get a loose, a little get a little loose with the driver, but really solid iron player, surprisingly good putter. So just some deep names you may want to look at. Those are very deep names. Well, name is not a deep name, but those are definitely some deep dives there. So we we pre- I don't have any thoughts on any of them. I do like Neiman. I like Neiman. Love his swing, love everything about his game, and he's what, like twenty years old, so I, I pull for him. Steve, you yeah. got to heal. If he wouldn't have went pro, 
he's a guy that would be out would have been out there with Hovland and, and Wolf, right? I mean, he, he you know it's kind of a weird thing. He's actually made some money, but those guys probably have a higher profile in a weird way, right? But this time last year, he was every bit as hyped as they were. He came out on tour and was top 10 week after week after week. Um, Not sure how many starts it took him to earn his card, but like you said, 20-year-old guy out there making money. Okay. Well, that was a very deep dive in all the gambling. We won't do this every week, but this is a major, and this is one of our favorite majors, so we decided that we were going to kind of go in deep on these. And now I guess we'll go ahead and get to our final predictions and – uh, Fats or Steve? How about yeah, Fats? Why don't you, Steve? Why don't you start off with your final predictions for the? Yeah, show? so we've kind of you know as we've gone along, we've we've commented on some of the guys that that Fats has mentioned, but uh, some people that haven't been mentioned as much. Watch out for Dylan Fratelli. Um, the guy proved last week that he'll do whatever it takes to win, um, including taking a bad drop. Um, will the uh, royal and ancient referees let him get away with it. I don't know. I don't know, but he'll try. That's for damn sure. Jace, do you know if he's paired with Sun Kang? <laughs> no, that would have been hilarious. No. Yeah. So, so watch out for Dylan Fratelli trying to cheat. Um, I love Fleetwood. Love Adam Scott. Um, my only dark horse, because I am not a degenerate gambler. Uh, I love Darren Clark, and um, you know he could he could blow it out. But he, he's a he's a local guy, knows the course. He's a major winner, and um, his game's still okay. Um, like him, like Kevin Kisner this week. If you're looking for somebody a little deeper, and um, you know. Adam Scott or Fleetwood are my guys. I, I really uh, think that they're going to be there towards the end. One guy that has not been mentioned, and it's really a huge sign of disrespect, and frankly, uh, probably how the media has completely ignored this guy because he you know, isn't 25 years old, is Gary Woodland. I mean, Gary Woodland has the game to win this tournament. He's not a great putter. Okay, whatever. Um but he, you know, there's a lot of guys that win a major and all of a sudden the cap's off. And he feels like a guy that can go on a run. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to win, but it would not surprise me at all for him to be in the top 10 uh, this week. He, he definitely seems forgotten. And also, so does Molinari. For a guy who's a defending yeah. champion, you don't hear a lot about him. I don't know. He struggled since the Sunday at Augusta. I have no idea if there's been Tiger, any. Tiger broke him a little bit, right? I mean, it, it could be. But between Molinari and Woodland, like for guys who have won those big tournaments that recently, you haven't heard a lot about them this week. Well, Steve, who's, who's going to win it? I'm going to take Gary Woodland. Okay. Nobody else in the entire world will, so maybe that'll uh, be a nice first podcast for me to pick. You know. But I legit believe in that. I mean, I, I think that he has all – everything we talked about for this entire podcast and then for his name to come up last, he almost checks every single box. It's not one single time that we say the guy's got to be putter to win this tournament. No, and, and as a matter of fact, there's been some bad putters that have won this tournament in recent years. So, yeah, I, definitely. I mean, Gary going back-to-back majors would be a shock to me personally, but I, he definitely has the kind of game, hits the ball low, hits it hard, hits it solid, and he's a grinder. I mean, he's been around, so don't hate it. Fats, who do you think's winning? I'm deciding between Matt Kuchar and Adam Scott – I believe they're going to be there Sunday afternoon, and Kuchar is just going to melt under the pressure of Scott's just ravishing good looks. I like Adam Scott. He's my pick. It's, it's in very in every certain golf or any other circumstance in life, it's very rare that the uglier person wins. Absolutely. 
As a Texas Tech fan, I will say that's not true in all cases. Is we push Cliff Kingsbury out the door, but yes, generally speaking, good looking and uh, tall is, is is a recipe for success. Um, my pick, I'm gonna just go straight off of my heart here. I'm not even. I really, I'm just gonna try to will it into existence. I think it's the coolest story ever if Rory can win this week. Um, I, I can't imagine the amount of pressure that he's playing under. I, I live in kind of a forgotten corner of the world. Could not even imagine what it would be like to play a a major in front of my home area, my hometown, something that hasn't been there for a while. He's got the course record. He's been playing good all year. I mean, everything points to Rory. It would just be the one of the coolest golf stories I can remember. I mean, outside of Tiger winning the Masters, but one of the what coolest. What a big end to the majors in 2019. If Tiger wins the Masters and then Rory wins this, I mean, I, I, you couldn't write that, you know, any better if yeah. it happened. Yeah, I, absolutely. I'd love it. I'm all in on Rory this week, rooting for him hard. I think he's going to somehow win. I have no clue how, but I, I'm I'm picking Rory, picking Rory this week. So, um, not going to dive too deep, but two of our favorite uh, show specials, Chad Campbell and Jason Duffner, will be in the Barbasol this week. So, be sure to tune in. Should be big, big fireworks abound. Um, I don't know if any so, of y'all. Seriously, more more embarrassing for Duffner, his wife leaving him, or him having to play in the Barbasol. Which one? I quit. I'm out. All right, all right, all right. We, we move on. Just, just think about it. <laughs> well, I think y'all got anything else to talk about before we get out of here? Looking forward to waking up early in the morning, and uh, you know, I'm older than you guys. I, uh, I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and have no chance of going back to bed anyway. So I might as well be able to just flip on golf. You know, I, I would be up till midnight making daily lineups anyway so i'm just happy that i can stay up till midnight and then as soon as i finalize everything walk straight to the living room and turn the tv on i mean y'all can't see me that are listening but i i mean i pulled out the red mock turtleneck on a on a tuesday night so you know i'm serious about this week and speaking of good looking yeah i cannot wait to watch it uh, I got nothing else to talk about. Um, hope well, you let's throw it. out the uh, the Twitter handle stuff. I think maybe we can roll out, especially for the fellow degenerate gamblers out there who are yeah. going to want, you know, possibly fats to roll out. So because you know, if you're really a degenerate gambler, then you're really going to want to make bets as it goes because you've already like you know you're going to lay some big money on you know I don't know can't lay or somebody he's going to shoot an 85 and you're going to need to make it up. So we might want to release some stuff on Twitter. We can probably do that, right? Yeah, we got sure. the at forced carry pod, and I'm on there as just got a Twitter just last week in honor of of this occasion. I am at uh, forced carry Cobb. If you want to get on the ground floor, um, you go to you go to forced carry. It'll all be on there. Yeah, Any yes. other, it'll be on there. So. Well, I got nothing else. This was a uh, definitely a gambling centric podcast. We're gonna not everyone's gonna be like that. If you want to keep listening, most of it will be riffing and freestyling on all kinds of stuff, and those will be good episodes too. We want to get a bunch of gambling out of the way. So, anyways, that's episode one, and thanks for listening.